0: I have no idea how our media person got text messages from my phone. So. Uh, good morning, church. If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Chase. I'm the executive pastor here. And as we dive in, we are week two in a Happily Ever After series, which is a series on marriage. But we might be week two in a series on marriage, but... When we wrote this series, as Jason sat down and worked this series out, we said we needed to have a sermon on this topic that we're doing today. So today is Singles Day. Yeah, there's my one single baby in the room. All right, come on, somebody else. Yeah, shout it out. I love that. All right, Singles Baby Online, welcome. We're going to focus on singleness today. And well, you know it or not, you might be like, well, I'm married, Chase, so I'm going to tune out now. I'm going to get ready for my fantasy football lineups on my phone. Please don't. Because if you've been married long enough, you know there's even single seasons in marriage. So we're going to talk about that a little bit too. As we unpack this, last week, Jason started off this series with communication and how that affects every relationship, but most importantly, how it is involved in marriage. This week, we're talking about singleness, and I need to give you a heads up for next week. And the reason I'm giving you a heads up for next week, because parents, this is for you, and I need you to hear me on this. Next week's sermon is called Lock the Door. Okay, so you might want to go ahead and say, what does that mean? If you don't know, ask your spouse next to you. But I'm telling you this because you need to make decisions as parents whether or not your kids can be in the room. If you want my advice, you should not have an elementary age student in the room next week. That is my advice to you. But you guys make what's decisions best for you. So next week, uh, Jason's going to be diving in to talk about intimacy inside relationships. So make sure you know that for next week. But today, we're talking about singleness. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to unpack all of this. So we're going to talk what about what is singleness, the problems we see, and then singleness in marriage. Now, even though I had one person shout out, why is this sermon important to give? Because maybe you don't know this. According to our most recent census, 50% of the U.S. adult population is classified as single. 50% of the adult population in the U.S. is classified as single. Now, if we take away the people that are, you know, living in together, and we also take, pe- take away the people that probably are committing tax fraud and all that was applying for census, Probably 31% on best guess is in no committed relationship and is truly, fully single right now as adults. Now, I'm not single, so some people might me go, well, why is Chase giving this message this morning? So in order to do this message, I conducted some personal research, pulled out my cell phone and said, all right, single people in my contact list, and I made some phone calls. I made sure not to call anybody in the church because I didn't want to make sure that no one felt like I was singling them out. So I called all my single friends that might be out of state or i have known throughout the years. And I asked two questions. Question number one I asked is, what is it like being single? Because it's been years for me that I've been in that place, so maybe it's changed since then. For our other teaching team pastors, it's been like 70 years, so they could have done it. So as I started asking these questions, I started with one, hey, what is singleness like right now? I had a a swath of answers. One said, hey, it's fun. Another said, hey, my responsibilities are limited. I don't have to worry about some certain things going on. Another said, it is absolutely miserable. All I want is to be in a relationship. And then I followed it up with this question. How do you feel being single going to church? And here's where I got some answers that I do want to talk about. Well, it's uncomfortable. Everything the church does seems to be family-focused or marriage-focused. Let's be real. Every pastor that you preaches from our stage, almost all of them are married, and a lot of the illustrations given are about kids or spouse Another person said, I wish people in the church would stop trying to fix me up with their long lost cousin. (laughs) And I I heard that and I'm like, oh, you know what? That is so true. Because even though it's been a while since I've been single, I remember what it was like to be in ministry and be single. When I started out in ministry doing student ministry, I was single for most, a lot of my 20s. And I remember a Sunday morning, my lead pastor came to me and this is my last church, not here. Lead pastor came and said, hey, my wife and I brought this person It's a friend of ours just for you this morning. <laughs> now, those of you that know me know I'm very energetic. I'm mostly a chipper person most of the time. I was probably the coldest person I ever could have been that morning. And I remember my boss looking at me saying, "Why? why, why, why you seemed off-putting. And I'm like, that's what you get. Never, ever do that again. First off, I'm at work. Secondly, I'm trying to serve, I'm trying to worship, and this is what you do? That's awkward. Some of you might have that awkward blind date story. The problem with how the church interacts with singles is it diminishes the truth we see in Scripture. Because here's what I want to say this morning. Singleness is a gift, and before somebody tries to laugh me off the stage and say, well, Chase, you're not single, so of course you can say something some like that and it's just out there. No, it's true. We see from the text that singleness is a gift. As we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians, and so what's happening here is the church in Corinth has written some questions to Paul, and he's answering some questions, And we know about Corinth, there's a lot of, you know, not great things going on. There's pagan worship, which means worshiping other gods. A lot of that worship deals with it. um, It happens in an intimate way. I'll put it that way. Um, And also, they're facing famine, all right? They're in crisis. We know that because throughout history, we see that there was somebody appointed at that time in Corinth to be in charge of the grain bins and storage. And that was only a job during times of famine. So when Paul writes 1 Corinthians, we see that that job was held three different times. So there were some huge problems going on. And so here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and of another. And what Paul is saying there is, I wish for you that you were single like I. For those of you who don't know, the, the Apostle Paul was a, a single guy. And so as we go into this sermon this morning, I want to first off talk about there's three types of singles. Three types of singleness. Number one. Number one is Seasonal. All right, so I'm talking to probably people in their 20s, early 30s that, you know, you're not married, but you're in this period right now of not in that relationship. It can be seasonal. Number two is situational. Maybe you lost your spouse. Maybe your relationship ended in not a great way. And so you find yourself being single, but it's from situational. And three, or maybe you made a choice. And for some of you in the room, you'd be like, what? People make a choice for that? People choose to be single? Yeah. And in fact, it's not, it's actually talked well about in scripture. And I think the reason that's shocking to us is because our culture today has romanticized everything and has made everything about being in relationships. And so if that's you and you're like, man, I don't know how people can choose to be single. Let me say this to you this morning. We should care more about a person's status with God rather than their relationship status. We should care more about a person's status with God than a relationship status. So, church, let me ask this question. As you interact with singles in our crowd or at our events, how do you interact? Is it, hey, how are you doing? What are you doing? Are you diving into community? What, what, what's that look like? Or is it, oh, hey, I know these other three single people. Have you met them? Because I think sometimes our priority with people is not, hey, how's your relationship with God? It's more like, hey, I think this is the greatest thing that will help you. I found this other person who's single. You're, you're the only two, so it has to work. And that's how we handle it. Because we care so much about relationship statuses, so much that almost every social media has a place where you can put it. Your bio on Instagram. Facebook actually has the drop box. And I don't even know how many options there are now in that drop box. Because it's been so long since I had to click a certain item on that drop box. It I was like four when I did it. And I'm like, it might be seven now. I remember the one that was like risque was, ooh, It's complicated. So as we talk about singleness, I want to also address three misconceptions of singleness this morning. Number one, only singles struggle with loneliness. That is so not true. Every person that's married in here knows that's not true. There is times even in marriage where you face loneliness. People that choose singleness are weird. That's not true. That is not true at all. Some people that have chosen that are some of the greatest people we've ever known. Mother Teresa chose to be a nun and be a, live a celibate life and look at the great things she did for the world. It's a lesser lifestyle than marriage. And that's a horrible misnomer. That's not in the text. We're gonna put a pin in loneliness for a second because I'll come back to that. But I want to hit this, it's a lesser lifestyle than marriage. Because I think we get our theology wrong here a little bit. Church, and here's what I want you to hear from me this morning. We are not created for marriage. We're created for community. There's a huge difference there. Yes, God instituted marriage and it is a lovely covenant that glorifies him. And yes, there's Old Testament commands that talks about what marriage looks like and how we're to act in that. But here's the point. We now live in this New Testament world, and we were originally created for community. That's the heart of Genesis 2. That it's not good for someone to be alone. In fact, it's a choice. And here's what I mean by that. When I preached this sermon this week to the sermon team, I told everybody, I'm like, man, I'm gonna like crush some people's dreams and souls today. Number one, let me start with this. There's not just one person out there for you. <sighs> okay? I want to hit this real quick. Like I hear this all the time. Oh man, they're my soulmate. That's my they're my soulmate. It's not in here. It's like only person for me. Somehow God, with all these billions of people, chose one, and it's my job to find that person. Okay, good luck. Well, uh, most likely God would not have put us too far apart, so it's got to be an American. And that's how we start, like, dialoguing this. But what's funny is we see from both Matthew 19 and Matthew 22, and Jesus addresses this, because Jesus talks in Matthew 19 that with dealing with eunuchs, um, if you don't know what that is, ask our welcome team on the way out. Um, when, you know, people have chosen that, made that way, And really, the best way to say that is they've chosen to be celibate. Because this life is temporal. We live this life knowing that there's eternal glory on the other side. And so much so, Matthew chapter 22, when the Pharisees are trying to stump Jesus, and they're like, hey, Jesus, according to the Old Testament, if a brother dies and his wife is left alone, the other brother that's unmarried should marry her to take on that responsibility. So what happens if the brothers die six times in a row? There's some scary thoughts, all right? What about the seventh brother? Like, who's going to be married to who in heaven? And Jesus responds in this creative way, and maybe dark for some of us today in our culture, you're not going to know that person in heaven that way. I get it. I just, like, shattered everyone's romantic dream. Like, oh, we're going to be in a nice, like, mansion in heaven, just us two. That is not, you're going to be so satisfied with the glory of God, you don't have to worry about that. And jokingly, God probably took away some awkwardness by doing that too. Church, we're, we're not created for marriage, we're created for community. And yes, marriage is a covenant that doesn't take away that marriage being a covenant And Paul continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 to the beginning half of 28. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment. So this is Paul giving his opinion. As one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. When Paul unpacks all of that, there's a couple things that he really brings out. Number one is equality of it all. Married people and single people, you're all the same. There's not a weight to you if, oh, if you're married, you're up here. If you're single, you're up here. No, it's, it's, you're all the same. I'm addressing you as all the same. With all the stuff going on, it's okay to stay as you are. Because, church, I think what we miss is no matter if you're married or single, the job is to give God the glory. That's the main purpose of our life. The main purpose of our life is not to live this life to the fullest and do it however we want to do it in selfishness. Francis Chan puts it this way, and it's a really good illustration. And I think I've actually taught this, and it's not a great teaching. When we prioritize life, sometimes we're like, all right, God is number one. I get it, Pastor Chase, God has to be number one. And then my spouse is number two, and my kids are three, my friends are four, acquaintances are five, in-laws are seven, nine, 10, and all the way down here is work, all right? I get it, all right? And that's such a bad misnomer because here's what it really is. It's God. And Scripture tells us that our relationship with God should be set apart, so then it should be everything else. And yes, there's a healthy way to order that. But when we start saying God is one and my spouse is that close second, it's really easy for that to infringe on each other. And so, married people, I'm going to say this to you this morning, including to myself your marriage can be an idol. Hear me on that. Single people, your want for a spouse can be an idol. We're called to have that relationship set apart. I told you earlier, we're going to put a pin in loneliness. And I want to say this, loneliness is a problem for everyone. Everyone gets lonely. In fact, Harvard research during the time of COVID gave us this study. 36% of adults have severe loneliness. And your response might be, well, Chase, you mentioned earlier that 31% of people are single. So it must be all them. 62% of that 36 are married. 62% of the 36 that have severe loneliness are married. How is that possible? Because we're prioritizing the wrong things. So let's talk about loneliness. Let's talk about it in two different camps. Let's talk it first off with our seasonal singles or people that are single right now in the room. How do we handle loneliness? Let me talk about a way that our culture handles loneliness that is completely unhealthy. So, let's talk about dating apps, all right? I'm going to swipe right into this conversation. (laughs) And if you got that joke, we're talking after service. All right. First off. If you don't know this, there is now 1,500 dating apps. 1,500. There is 323.9 million users on dating apps. Now, before we're like, man, there's a lot of singles. I can't say all those are singles. And the dating app scene has gotten so, you know, insane. Like, now we have, like, we have so many different types of singles. Who remembers the classics? E-Harmony. Classic. MASH.com, classic. Now we have things like silver singles. I'm serious, all right? For a couple or for people that are 50 and over, we have we have dating apps just for single parents, and then we have dating apps for what Jason's talking about next week and only that. I'll put it that way. And here's what I want to say to that, church. Everyone knows that. There's a lot of things that are not of God out in our culture. When we try to combat loneliness with just this fixation of trying to find someone, you're missing out on some of the opportunities that God has given you as a single. And it's not okay to be there. Because now we have dating apps that are like, oh, well, I need to find a person that's blonde-haired, that's shorter than me, that has these hobbies and interests. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think that Harmony now has like a 72-point profile. Now, like you can see 72 things about that person before. Now, as I'm hitting this a little bit, if you found someone on a dating app or one of our, you know, websites like that, and you're in a happily marriage, I'm not saying that all of it's bad. I'm saying it can be used for bad. And now we have these things all listed out. Oh, here's what I'm looking for. Let me tell you a story. When I was at my last church, we had a missionary from India, and he was staying. And I was an intern, so I was single. I got to live in the church parsonage by myself because the pastor didn't live in the parsonage. Really cool house from like 1845. It was great. Um And he stayed with me. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to have a couple of the high school boys over and they can talk to the missionary and learn some things about his culture. And as we were sitting there playing a board game, one of the 17-year-old boys in his infinite wisdom just straight out asked the question, what's dating like in India? And I'm like, I don't know what your motive is. This is going to be great. And the missionary looks at him and says, well, actually, I did not meet my spouse until our wedding day. And I remember seeing all four of the boys I invited over like, what? What do you mean? And then like, I had another, man, I love student ministry. Another boy was like, but how do you know she wasn't ugly? (laughs) And he looks at all four of them and they don't know this, but I was learning just as much. And he goes, guys, that day was our wedding day. It is the least that I've ever loved my wife because each day I've loved her ever more and so married people and here let me say this the reason we might struggle with loneliness in marriage or the reason we might have this problem we feel alone is because we have this way of making a highlight reel and some people are like oh the greatest day of our life was our wedding day the greatest day of our life was when our kid was born and we don't take the opportunity each day to cherish more and more And so when we do that, I call it the highlight reel. And so we decided to post that on social media. No wonder why singles think marriage is so awesome. Because what they see from every married person they know is, look at us, date night. Look at us sharing a milkshake. Look at us on the same couch watching a movie. And, And like, that's what everyone, that's what every single sees. Like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm missing out on. And what they don't see is when the three-year-old took a dump on the living room floor and what that's like. And to the mom that actually posted that because I saw that, I applaud you. I applaud you for two reasons. Number one, poop is funny. And number two, you're showing real life. You're showing real life because actually what Paul's about to get to in this text is, guys, I'm trying to save you from marriage because marriage isn't easy. But we've romanticized this in our culture, and every single might here in the room might be like, "Well, Chase, that's what I want. That's what I desire. That's what I want so much." And to you, I want to say this: Stop looking for these fairy tale relationships to do something only the King can do. Because maybe in that pit of loneliness, you're like, "Oh, that's all I need to fill me right now," and the only thing that's really going to fill you is God. Jim Elliott is probably one of my favorite missionaries. You guys don't know this. Jim Elliott uh, was killed uh, in South America trying to reach a lost people group. And this is one of my favorite quotes from him. Let not our longing slay our appetite for living. And so I love that quote. So I decided, all right, I'm going to make this a little bit more relevant to us and make it a little bit more cultural friendly real quick. So here's what I want to say to that. Start living in the here rather than the there. So let me start with singles in the room. Stop looking over there and say, man, if I was only married, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait just to get to the dating relationship. I can't wait to have kids. I can't wait to do that. To the married people in the room, stop looking and be like, oh, my goodness. I can't wait to get to financial security. I can't wait to get the different job. I can't wait till our kids are finally out of the house because they're awful. I can't wait. Because when we do that, you miss out on everything that God has in front of you. And so let me start with this. Singles in the room, when you do that, and you say, man, all I need is to be married. All I need to be is there. All I need is to be there because I know I'll be happy and everything will be great when I'm there. Here's the same level I put that to. It's like when the married couple looks at me and says, oh, man, our marriage will be better when we have a kid. There are some married people in here that should not be laughing as much as they are. That's what that's like. Spend time in singleness because there's multiple advantages to it multiple advantages to it. Because what Paul is trying to spare you from is this. 1 Corinthians 7, 28, the latter half of that verse, going into 32 to 35. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Let me stop there. Married people in the room, what do I get for that? That's Amen. Not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to God. I would say that Megan and I have a decent marriage. Decent marriage, trying to work on it and prove it every day. But there's truth in that statement. If you don't know this about me, getting a laugh is one of my favorite things to do. I like to be fun. I like to say funny things. But you know what goes through my mind every time I do that? What would my wife think about that? And then there's sometimes my mind doesn't work. And so we might be out with a group of people and I say something, and I get this awesome look of, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's hilarious. It's a poop joke, it's funny. Guys, and that's something that when marriage it rolls through your head, and that's something that Paul's mentioning to singles is hey. I'm I'm trying to free you from that anxiety. And the reason why is because, man, if you're not married, you don't have to worry about the distraction with your relationship with God. Now, married people, you might hear that and be like, man, I guess I shouldn't have got married. (sighs) Stop. Do not hear a sermon that I am not preaching. Because, yes, marriage is meant to glorify God. One of the greatest examples of the Trinity is our marriages. As we, as we grow closer to God, we grow closer to each other, and that's how the Son and the Father and the Spirit work. If you are, no matter what kind of single you are in the room, seasonal, situational, um, by choice, hear this point from me this morning. It's, it's the most important point that I have for you, and it's something that I've used for a decade Somebody has said this before me. I don't know who, so I can't quote them on it. Use it in student ministry. But if you're searching, and that's all your desire and yearning for is to not be alone, because loneliness and singleness are two different things, by the way. If that's all you're wanting is, I want to be there in that relationship. I want to be there in this marriage. I want you to hear me. If you're not okay by yourself, you're not going to be okay with someone else there's probably a lot of married people in here that probably should have heard that too before they got married. Marriage does not fix problems. It amplifies them. And actually, most marital problems can be fixed when you're single. I am blessed in one category on that. I am blessed that I had the majority of my 20s not being married. Why? I wasn't that great of a person. I got to work on myself. I could go back and talk about, oh, failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship, and finally I'm like, well, am I part of the problem? Okay, the answer's no, (laughs) geez. But it was. There was some selfishness in there. There was a good amount of pride in there. And at that moment, and here's where I finally came to a road that I just love in my life story, is because the church had impressed upon me that, oh man, I should be married, especially being in ministry, I should be married. And finally one day, and I was probably 26, I don't remember how old I was, and I finally just said, God, if it is your will, put someone in my path. Because what it used to be is God put someone in my path. And when I made that change, my mindset change, and then I said, whatever or whoever I find, I I want to serve the Lord with zeal. So you might be like, well, Chase, you love singleness so much. Why are you married? I'll be honest with you. I found a partner that loves the Lord some days more than I do and strives to serve. Yes, there's love there. Goodness, before somebody judges me. Yes, there's great, there's great times. But like every marriage in this room, there's not great times. And yeah, there are times each of us probably look at each other and say, really, I married you. And the point of that is, After that, it's I chose you, and I'm gonna keep choosing you because we make each other better. So, to singles, I tell you this those of you that are seasonal single, stop chasing it so much. Stop chasing it so much. And I get it, it's lonely. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be lonely. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And so can we be content with where we're at? So let me start with marrieds in the room. Can you be content in your marriage? Because some of you are not. How do you get there? You wanna know how? You look at last week's sermon. You start talking about how to communicate better. And then on the backside of that, You remember that you're both created by God. Singles in the room, how do you stay content being single? Know there's something greater than marriage. It is your relationship with God that has no distractions right now. So, yes, you can work on yourself. Yes, you have opportunity to do things without having to worry about somebody else. But most importantly, you learn so much about yourself. So I have three questions for you this morning, no matter where you're at in life. Number one, am I pursuing community? No matter if you're married or single, we're all part of the body. How are we doing at navigating across the relational line? And I I want to say that one because I, I think we need to hit this, because for some reason, When we talk about spheres of influence and having friendships, we automatically put this claim on it. All right, we're looking for friends. They have to be within five years of our age and have the same kids on the same crazy scale. That's how we find friends, guys. That's how we look for friends. And that's not okay. We wonder why single people feel so ostracized from the church. It's because that's how we as married people look for friends. Single people, how are you doing at navigating having friends that are married? Number two, am I living in the here and now? Let me start with singles on this one. Are we just fixated on getting to the there that's a committed relationship? And I feel like some of you, maybe are trying to get to the there, the committed relationship for not a great reason. Let me hit a problem that we have even in our marriages in the sermon this morning. Maybe some singles think that we need to be there because all they see or hear is stories from the married couple's friends that are like, Oh, yeah, we do everything together. Like, he is always there. I always want to be with him. We have have three couches, but we sit on the one cushion on the one. It is great. Can I say something to you? Gross. (laughs) And actually, let me go psychological with you. That's called codependency. It's not good. It's not good. You need to have your own life inside your marriage. And everyone said, because if you're always thinking, oh, I got to be with my spouse at all times, God help you if you married an independent person like me. So maybe that's why singles are so focused because that's what they see all the time. But on the backside of that singles, are you leveraging your time to grow and serve? Are you saying, hey, I can invest in kids even though I'm not married, don't have kids? Married people living in the here and now. Are you enjoying the time you have now? Are you enjoying the kids' ages you have now? Are you looking at what God has given you right in front of you? And number three, and most importantly, am I content with how God created me? If we solve number three, I would say that would fix the majority of marital issues and fix almost all the loneliness that you might have in singles or in marriage. Am I content with how God created me? Because what I can tell you is this, God made you well. God made you good. Some of you, he might add a little bit of quirkiness too, but that's okay. He might add a greater sense of humor to some, that's fine. But are you content where you're at? That's what this message is all about this morning. Can you find contentment? Because we're called to be set apart. Our relationship with God, everything else. And yes, there's an order for that, but set apart. Last word before I pray. Singles in here. As you have engaged in church, let me start with this. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to see what is the church for me as a single. And I hear you. I get it. But let me tell you what's for you in the church if you're single everything. Engaging in every activity, every ministry we do, engaging with people across relational lines. You are part of the body and a glorious part of the body that we need. Married people in the room, yeah, work on your marriages. We need you to show healthy marriages. Emulate healthy marriages, not just highlight reels on social media. How are you doing at that? If you feel alone in your marriage today, how can you not feel that way? What can you do? Find community. Have healthier communication. Be content with how God made you and start having conversation. Let's pray. God, as we um, end out our time today with our message, We ask that no matter what stage of life we're in, that we know that we're to glorify you. Because to you, all the glory should be given. No matter what our relationship status is. God, we thank you for all of our singles in the room. Because they are a blessing. No matter if they're in that season, or it's from situation, or it's a choice. God, they have so much to offer and to do, and to learn. We thank you for them. God, to all of our married couples in the room, may we remember that everyone's part of the body, and love on everyone equally. May we engage in all. May we work on our marriages, not just to show the world, hey, look at how awesome we are once every six weeks. May we work daily to love the people in our house. Pray all this in your name. Amen.:
1: Do you stand and continue worshiping with us?
2: goodness Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us this morning. Um, Thank you, Chase, for such an awesome, um, timely message. We hope you guys have a great rest of your Sunday, and um, we will see you next week. Have an awesome day.